Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you, Kirsten. I love that I love that we can come to that place. I love that God says that we can ask anything of him. And he will give that to us. And I was just sitting there thinking, God, the only thing that I want in this place, the only thing that I want to ask you for is to see you face to face, to see you more, to know you more. And, you know, when we come to that place, God gives us that. I was sitting there thinking, you know, we're singing that song. When he, when he walks into the room, everything changes. And I was thinking to myself, if that's the case, if we really believe that, then why do we have things that we want changed in our life that are unchanged? Why do we carry stuff that shouldn't be there when we go, how do I fix this thing? Well, the answer is, is to have Jesus walk into the room because then it'll change. So when I face a problem or a challenge in my life and I want it to change, I've got to get myself to a place, okay, God, I, I want you here. And I think we get caught in that place, well, Ben... When we get saved, he's always here. Yes, he is always here. He is always in you. But are you noticing that he is actually in the room with you? Is he sitting in, in you and you're going, man, I just can't, I wish I had somebody to talk to about this, this problem that I have. And then people say, well, bro, if you got face to face with God, but Ben, he's always with me. Great. Then talk to him. Allow him to actually change that thing in your life. Take the reins that you keep holding on to so tightly and give them to him. On Thursday night, we came for prayer and there was this phenomenal... I mean, the, the, the presence of God was here. I don't have a doubt about that. But there was, we were all praying and it was quite, quite fervent prayer. And it got to a point where... We were all praying at one point, hey, and, and then it just went silent. And we were silent for about 30 minutes. And we opened our eyes and, I, and, and Jess said, she's like, did anyone notice that we all went silent at the same time? Sometimes God's, God needs us to shush so that he can tell us something. Sometimes we're yelling and screaming at God, won't you come and fix this? Won't you come and fix this? And he's saying, shh, zip it for a moment. Just shush your guts and I'll give you something worthwhile. But we keep yelling and contesting and, and fighting and, and we don't actually quieten ourselves. to say, God, what do you want? How, what, what, where do you want us to go in this? So when we sing that, when God comes into the room, everything changes. I want to challenge you. Does that actually mean anything in your life? Or is it just a good song that we chose to sing this morning? Because there's a difference between that. A few weeks ago, I spoke about the difference between truth and reality, truth and meaning in our lives. The truth that we carry has to become meaning. Otherwise, we're not operating the power of who God has for us, what God has for us. Is that okay? Spectacular. Vision, mission, spectacular. All right, sorry, I got lost for a second there. 
We have been, this is our fourth and final week of the four areas that God showed Jess and I when we first um, stepped in to, to lead this house. The first one being reformation. The second one being focus. The third one being discipleship. And the fourth one being mission, which I'm going to speak about this morning. And God is amazing because I wrote my notes during the week and, and I was sitting at my desk pretty tired and I was saying to God, man, I don't have enough notes here. I normally write a ton of stuff. I'm like, I've probably got 30 minutes max on this topic. God breaks in. I have 30 minutes. So spectacular. I'm right on the button. Unless I get excited and go further, but I'm right on the button. The first note I have written down, the first thing I wanted to say to us, and I think for most of us will have heard this before, but for some of us this will be a shock, but you were not created to just die and go to heaven. That's not what we're doing here. If that was the case, if that was the case, the moment you got saved, you would have been zapped into heaven. We wouldn't have needed to continue on. Why continue on? What are we here to do? What's the point of all this thing? Every time I look at what Jesus preached, he preached now. Go and behold, go and tell them the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is, is, is in your hands. You have access to the kingdom. You can operate out of the kingdom. Who I am, I carry the kingdom of God. Everything that Jesus preached was about, watch what, what I will do in your life right now. There is more to come. There is a kingdom that you don't have access to yet that I will bring. But what you have right now is the, everything I'm preaching and teaching you, you can operate in right now. That's the kingdom. Rejoice for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was the gospel. That's what Jesus was saying. But what seems to have happened over the, the, the generations of, of church building and church planning was that we got to this point where it was all about the end destination and we failed to keep preaching about the, the, the journey we're on now. So we turned evangelism into it's so important that you get to heaven, do this so that you can get there. But that's not what Jesus preached. Jesus preached my kingdom is right now. My kingdom is at hand. I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating, that Jesus dies. We know that he dies. We know that he goes down into the pits of hell to rescue those who was there. He then comes back. The disciples don't ask him once what hell was like. And he doesn't mention what hell was like. If it was such a big deal to Jesus, why didn't he come back and say, disciples, man, I've been there. It's garbage. You don't want to go. Please, please listen to what I'm saying. I've been to the pits of hell. It's not what you want to be. It's not where you want to be. It's so bad down there. Please listen to me. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, go. Go and wait and I'll pour out the kingdom on you. On your most sacred day, Pentecost, the only day you were allowed to bring leavened bread, go and wait and I will bring the spirit to you. Do you know how frightening that would have been to the disciples? Because do you know what they believed when they entered into the Spirit of God? Into the Holy of Holies. 
they could die. So to their understanding, Jesus was saying, go and I will pour out the one thing that you're not allowed to have and see. Okay, where do we go? The upper room. Sweet, we'll go. What? They trusted Jesus so much that they didn't even ask him what hell looked like. They just had their eyes set on the glory that he said, I'll pour out on you. So when we go out into our mission field, when we go out onto the journey of God, it's not turn back for you'll go to hell. It's you, you should see what you can enter into right now. You, can, you should see what I get to see every day. You should see the joy that I carry because of the kingdom of, of great Yahweh. You can have that now. I can give that to you. Instead, we, for, for some weird reason, we, we decided to make evangelism about, let's show them what they, the bad thing they'll get instead of the amazing thing they can enter into. But what I want us to understand is that we all have a role to play. And I'm going to tell a story in a minute, which might upset some, but it's okay. I'm willing to take that risk. The verse that we all use, just about every church you go into, has this point. I said this last week. We have mission as our point because we read this verse. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. Go, outward expression, therefore. The therefore is based on what Jesus said at the beginning. I have all the the authority and all the power. That's why he says therefore. Because of this, because I carry all of the authority and all of the power, go. Okay, so our job is to go. It's a doing word. Not bring in. Not sit in these chairs and hope, oh my goodness, I hope more people come this morning. Oh my goodness, I hope the unsaved come through these doors. I said this in a meeting once and everyone got very upset with me and I didn't say much after it, but I said, Sunday service, the Sunday morning service, this, what we're doing, is not for non-believers. This is a gathering of the saints to worship and to disciple each other. That's what this is for. These walls are for us to come together as a family and honor and glorify the name of Jesus and get equipped. Equipped for what? To go out into all the earth. Go out into the places gather and then bring them back into the community of believers into the saints to do what to worship as a family to grow i once had a friend say to me we were at a um i don't know if i've told this story if you have you get to hear it twice spectacular uh i had a friend once say to me we're at a festival a, a um easter fest a christian massive christian festival my band was playing and and we were we got to go backstage and meet a few cool, cool bands and, and different people. And, I, and we were having dinner one night um, at a place, the place we were staying. And one of the girls who was in the circle of friends, she said to me, 
Hey, Ben, Sunday morning, the guy who's preaching, he was a, a reverend um, because they, they got different denominations to come and preach throughout the weekend. And it just so happened this reverend was preaching on the Sunday. She says to me, hey, um, have you had a chance to meet the reverend? And I was like, no. I didn't cross paths with him while I was walking. No, I haven't. Why? And she says, well, I've got two unsaved friends and they'll only come for one time. And I don't know which one is going to be the most impactful one to them, for them to come to. Who's going to be the best speaker? And I said to her, have you told them about Jesus? She said, oh, no, no, no. No, that's his job. And I said, so you're going to take your friends and hope, and, and the Holy Spirit can do this, although she didn't believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks to us, but I, I do believe the Holy Spirit can do this, but you're going to take your friends and hope that that man in 40 minutes is going to preach the sermon that's going to change their life. And she looked at me and she's like, yeah, that's, that's what church is. And I came away from that, I came away from that story bamboozled, thinking to myself, man, I don't think that's how God meant it. Jesus preached many a sermon, and many a times people walked away from him. Many phenomenal sermons that we still preach today, and still they walked away. I can't carry that pressure. I don't want to carry the pressure that when you bring your friends, I've got to do my best sermon, otherwise I'm the reason they didn't get saved. Please don't put that on me. I don't want that pressure. But I'll tell you what did happen on that time. My mum was, was, at the time, my mum was, was unchurched and she disliked the church strongly. She still believed in God, but, but because of what the church had done to her, she was very distant from the church. So she came. She came to watch us play on the Sunday morning. She said, I'll come with my friend. I'll stay one day. So we were walking. I was walking. Uh, my friends went ahead and I said, I need to pray. I need to stay behind and pray. My mum's going to be here. So we, we went walking and, and I was praying in the spirit and the God, God dropped on my heart the story of the prodigal son. So I got my phone out as I was walking, weeping. I would have looked like the biggest goose. I was, I was crying as God was revealing the heart of his heart to my mum that I'm writing in text, right? So I, couldn't, I didn't even know who was preaching. I didn't care at this point. I just got these dot points and I'm saying, how do I share this with my mum? God, show me how to share this with my mum. So I write all these notes down. I prepare my own little sermon that I'm going to give my mum after the, the church service. This guy gets up, a guy who couldn't read or write, an Aussie, massive, big beard, hilarious guy, gets up. And he says, this morning I want to share something that changed my life. I'm going to share in the prodigal son. I'm sitting in the front row, weeping. My friend says to me, taps me, says, hey, bro, what's up? All I do is I show him my phone. And I said, that's going to be his next point. And boom, he preached the next point. I said, that's going to be his next point. He preached the next point. He preached the sermon I wrote on the way to the church service. So I'm weeping. I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh man, I hope my mom's hearing this. I hope she's getting this. We, we couldn't meet up to sit together because there was too many people and, and it was, there was thousands of people. So I'm walking through the crowd now, weeping, like looking even more like a goose, a mess. I've got, I got boogers, everything. I just look like a mess. I didn't care. I left my friends behind. I've got to find my mum. I'm cruising through the crowd and people are moving out of the way. And it, it was like a scene from a movie. I'm not kidding. People split aside and here was my mum on top of the hill, weeping. 
And I got to her and I said, Mum, that was for you. She says, I know. God spoke to me. I want to give my life back to him. She said, well, how do I do it? Where do we go? I said, we just do it right here. Get your friends. Let's go. We're going to pray. We prayed right there. You see, God knew where she was at and she knew where this guy was going to preach. She knew, he, sorry, he knew what my mom needed to hear. And as I was trying to bring it onto myself, God, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? God goes, I'll show it to it. Don't worry. Boom, here it is. But also know, Ben, that I'm listening and I care for you. We think that missions for us is this grab somebody by the scruff of the neck and scream the goodness of God into them. Do you know what I'm finding more and more and what I'm seeing in the scriptures more and more? Jesus never did that. This is what Jesus did. Here's the truth. I'm going to put it on the table. Your choice. You decide what you want to do with it. Even to the disciples. Aren't you 12 going to go as well? Uh, Jesus, we don't understand what you just said. In actual fact, it's complete and utter craziness that you said what you said. But we don't know where else to go. We have nowhere else to be. We have no one else that's giving the life that you're giving. We don't understand it. It doesn't quite make sense. But we want to stay with you. That's how God did missions. That's how Jesus did evangelism. He said, this is the truth. Now it's your job. Your free will speaks so much that you get to decide what you want to do. The truth is on the table. You can pick it up or you can put it down. It's up to you. And I'll tell you one thing. We do that more with our lives than we do with our lips. I can't remember who said it. It's a famous preacher who said, preach the gospel and if you have to, use words. Francis of Assisi. Look at that. Snap, crackle pop. That's how we evangelize. If your life is producing garbage fruit, but your lips are trying to give the sweetness of Christ, I tell you what they'll pick up, the garbage fruit that you keep putting out. Mark Eltringham used to say this, and I'm sure he pinched it from someone else who pinched it from someone else. But they said, if you tell people you have the measles, but you really have the mumps, they won't catch measles. They'll catch the mumps. They catch what you actually carry in your body. So as we go out into our mission field, as we go out into our mission field, we carry the life of Christ in who we are. I've said this and I'll keep saying it until someone takes the microphone away from me. If you can't be polite to your waitress and express the love of God in the way you say please and thank you, thank you for my meal, I didn't quite get my tomato sauce, how in the world can you preach the love of Christ to somebody who doesn't know it? Because I tell you one thing, even non-Christians know how to do that. Even non-Christians know how to operate, operate in the fruitfulness of love. We have to keep our heart on check with that all the time. Just got a glimpse into some of the things that I get to have the joys of doing while we've been doing these upgrades. And I, I took a phone call and I, I, it was on loudspeaker and I didn't realize Jess was upstairs and she came in and she said, 
you listen to that lady, and she wasn't from this church. She was a, a lady who just had randomly called in. She said, you listen to that lady just tear you to shreds. I said, yeah. And she said, and you were polite to her, and you thanked her for her time. Now, I didn't realize I had done that at the, at the time. And I said, yeah. She goes, I would have told that lady where she could go. And I said, I thought about it. But then I thought about, what do I want this lady to, to, to take from me? If she's taking all of me, if she's ripping me apart, what are the parts I really wanted to have? I wanted to have just a glimpse of the love of Jesus. If I can give her that, just a little bit, hopefully she gets off that phone and goes, ah, I was a goose to that guy. And hopefully, just hopefully, the next phone call she makes, she's a little bit nicer. She's a little bit more polite because she saw something in me she didn't see in somebody else. Now, I'm not a superstar. I don't do that all the time. I, I stuff up at that. But I'm trying my best. How can I show this lady? How can I show these people Jesus? I tell you what, when you are rude and awful at a, at a restaurant, people don't see Jesus. I want to tell you a story, and then I'm going to make a statement that might be uh, upsetting. I didn't put the date in. Now it's got 17 question mark, question mark, because I was supposed to get the date. It's in the 1700s. I did. <laughs> the date is, does exist, but it's okay. I obviously didn't go back and fix that. There was a book by a guy named Don Richardson, and he wrote a book called Eternity in Their Hearts. I stumbled across this book, and I bought it on Kindle because I was very perplexed by what I'm about to share with you. Is it? Okay. <laughs> now I said 1735. That'll do. I'll get a phone call. Uh, you got that date wrong? 17-something, 1700s. There was a tribe of people in Burma. Okay, Burma, the country, there was a native tribe. They were called the Karen people. And they didn't speak Burmese language. Only one person in their tribe learnt the Burmese language so that they could communicate with the Burmese people to dip diplomatically discuss um, them living. Okay. It was during the time that England was going around and building the United Kingdom. They were settling over certain areas and they used to send a diplomat in to discuss with the nation they were going into to hopefully get them to give the land over without a fight. We're coming in, we're England, this is our flag. We're going to stick it in the ground whether we have to fight for it or not. It's better if you just give us the land and no one has to be in any trouble and, and we'll just walk in. That was what the diplomat's job was to do. So he goes into Burma, this English diplomat, and he discusses with the Burmese people. And the Burmese people say, the only problem you're going to have is going to be with the Karen people. You must come and speak with them. He says, but beware, there are vicious people and they have a folk religion that's very unusual. Okay? So, they, so this, this Englishman, he goes into this, this tribe of, of, of Karen people. And when he gets there, they are absolutely perplexed by this white man. The whole tribe comes around him to view him, to touch him, to see him. And he says to the Burmese guy, he says, why are they so perplexed? He says, they've never ever seen a white person before. But then the guy who's tribing says, no, no, no. We have seen one white person before, but we didn't see him. Our forefathers saw him. And it's a story that's been passed from generation to generation to generation to generation. And our forefathers saw one white man and the white man gave them a book, an ancient book. 
And he says, what was in the book? He says, the book is the way of life, the way we operate. Our folk religion came from this book. So the white man, quite perplexed, he says to them, who is the author of the book? The response is Yahweh, the one true God. Yahweh, the one true God. That's the response they gave. And they said, so what are you waiting for? Why do you think? He says, are you a brother of the one who came? He says, no, I do not know your God, Yahweh, the Englishman, and we will not respect your folk, awful religion. He was an Englishman who would have known all about Christianity. The point is, is that no missionary, quote unquote, went into these people. Jesus did. Jesus reached those who were unreachable and he came and he said, I have a way of life that's better than the one you're living. It's up to you. Here's a book. This will show you everything you need to know. They lost it. They lost the book. And they, are in, they were in agonizing a waiter of somebody to come and bring them another book. The story goes on and you can read it. There's heaps of little intricate things in there that are quite amazing. But it's quite funny because the next, the next person who comes was a Muslim man and a Hindu man. And they all bring books. But no one interpreted the books for them. But the one who bought the book of Yahweh interpreted the book for them. What I'm getting at is God doesn't need us to go on mission with him. He can do it without us. But the joy of the Father is that we get to be on mission with Him. It's not we have to, it's we get to do that. In uh, Romans something, Romans 1, 19 to 22, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. The very creation of the earth cries out the glory of Yahweh. But the beauty is, is that we get to be co-laborers with Christ, Paul says in, in, in Corinthians. Co-laborers. You don't have to go and do mission. You get to go and do mission. You don't have to be out on the front lines with God. You get to be on the front lines of God. I watched a, um, the, one of the videos that Josh Woods' wife put up, and she was talking about the front lines and being on the front lines with God. And this is a lady whose husband has just gone through um, a brain operation to remove a cancerous tumor. And she says, Josh is on the front lines, but it's such a joy to be here with God. What? your initial reaction would be, let's retreat from this place. Now, if, this is what, if we're getting battered and beat out here, but they're standing in a place where they're saying, we get to be on mission with God. We get to be. It's a privilege that God chooses us to operate with Him out in our mission field. That's phenomenal. It's like when, when 
I'll never forget, my dad was building, I got four older brothers, so there's five of us, and my dad was building a deck around a pool. Now, if any of you know my brothers, when the five of us get together, we are rowdy, all fighting for the loudest voice to tell the best story. There's five of us, all big boys, all of them are bigger, oh, all but one are bigger than me. So it's a, it's a bit of a wrestle. My dad had us all over one night to help him build a deck. Five hammers, five box of nails, and dad said to us before we started, do not miss the nail and dint the deck. That was the key. There's five of us. We're telling jokes, we're poking fun. As my brothers are swinging it, another brother's yelling, miss it, miss it, miss it, miss it. And then when we'd miss, everyone would crack into laughter and, and joke and laugh. And dad would be furious that we dinted the deck. Why he ever got us all on team, I don't know. But the point is, is that we had the most hilarious time. That deck now, we ripped it apart. But the story that we have of us all on that deck, having a hoot and nanny of a time, poking fun at each other, calling each other names, hoping that one would dent the deck so dad would yell at them. That was what it was all about. We weren't helpful. We are actually probably made it worse because dad had to come behind us and make sure that our nails were hit in properly. But the fact is, is that our father got to spend time with the five boys, having a laugh, having a giggle. It was a joy. My son, you were fluffing this up, but man, I'm having fun doing it with you. I love that I get to be on this journey with you. That's what God does with us. That's what God does when he takes us on, journey, on a journey. All these things I get to do with you, my son, my daughter. You get to be on mission with me. That is exciting. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. Everything we do, we do it with God, co-laboring with him, and it's a joy. Do you remember when dad would just take you to the, take you or pop would take you to the, the hardware store, and you didn't know what you were buying, you didn't care, you are carrying pipes and all kinds of weird stuff, but you got to be there with dad. You got to be on the journey of building the thing. You got to go home and, and wait until he gave you an instruction and it was exciting. You didn't care that you were fixing the plumbing to the toilet. You just got to be there. What do you want me to do? Pick that spanner up or grab that. Here you go. We got to do these things with God, with, with our Father. That's what we get to do with God. When he calls you to a place, when he calls you to a nation, we get to do the things with him and that's what's exciting. Two things. The word missionary... The word missionary, we didn't see until mid, the mid-16th century. It's a Latin word, a Latin word, missio, and it means to send. We say missionary like, it was a, like it's a, a, a big biblical word, but it was a Latin word that meant to go, to be sent out. And missionary, in our understanding in the, the Oxford Dictionary, says a person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. I want to put something to you that being a missionary for Christ doesn't just mean going to Africa or Asia or Sri Lanka. What it can mean is going to the grocery store, going to your workplace, going to a restaurant and shining the light of Jesus. Being a missionary, we've taken this away where we say, now look, don't get me wrong, please. Honour those 
who go to other countries. Because I tell you what, it is a difficult feat. And well done to those of you who have shifted nations. There's a few guys here who have shifted nations for the gospel. Well done. I'm not diminishing that by any stretch. It is a difficult job and you have listened well and well done. But what I want to break down is the fact of I'm not a missionary because I'm a single mum, stay-at-home mum. Yes, you are a missionary. I'm not a missionary because I don't have a job at the moment and I've got two little kids and I don't know how to even get through my day. You are a missionary in that place for God. We've heard it said a hundred times, somebody had to raise Billy Graham. Somebody had to nurture Billy Graham. Somebody had to preach Billy Graham the, the, the gospel and, and he got saved and then he heard who Jesus was and he built all that. Somebody had to do that. We diminish the people around us because they're not operating how we think a thing should be operated in. We have four mums, more than four mums in here now, but we have four about to be new mums or just became new mums in this house. Every single one of them has an absolutely crucial, important role that a lot of us... Let me take that back. Four mums in this house who have a crucial role. We have to honour them and build into them because they are missionaries in so many different places. In that little one's life, when they go out to a mum's group, when they go to a coffee shop, the way they rear their kids, man, your kid is so amazing. Why is that? Man, we just we, we pray with them every night. We, just, we, we express who Christ is in them. Man, I don't even know what that means. That's awesome. We have to change the way we see the mission field because all of us in this room have a mission field. Bev, you have a mission field. You do. I, heard, I, I know that I know I heard God say that. Your light is still shining. There's areas, Bev, that, that you can reach that no one else in this room can reach. None of us. We can't go where you can go. And God wants to journey with you into those places. Don't discount yourself. Don't discount yourself. God is so pleased with who you are and what you're doing. And he has so much more for you. Don't discount yourself. We all have a mission field that God wants to partner with us in. He doesn't have to. He can get it done. I promise you he can get it done. But he wants to do it with you. He wants to step with you in line. My son, my daughter, this is so incredible. Look where we're going. Look where we're going. Reinhard Bonnke told a story that when he first landed into Africa to see a blood-washed Africa, there was a man packing up a tent the same size as the one he was about to put out. And he went to him and he said, what are you doing? He said, this is done. The land's dried up. God doesn't want me here anymore. And Reinhard said to him, I know he wants you here. But if you won't, I will. The man left. And Reinhard took that place. You see, God will bring somebody else if you don't want to do it. He'll get the job done one way or another. But guess what? He's given it to you specifically to get it done first. And that we should count that all joy. I get to be in step with the Father. I get to operate in who He is and what He's doing. Last place I want to go. If you have a Bible with you, can you go to... I know it's in Exodus. I just don't know which numbers yet. Exodus 4, 1 verse 17. 
I want to show you something before we go. Thank you. Whoever did this, spectacular. Exodus, Exodus 4, 1 verse 17. Man, it's warm. A flannelette shirt was the wrong choice. Thanks. That's all we need, huh? Looks good. Exodus 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, okay, Moses has been asked to go back into Egypt, go into the place, get the people and take them to the promised land. This is Moses' response. Moses, this is your mission I'm going to give you. Here it is. This is what I want you to do. Bev, here's your mission. This is what I want you to do. Dave, here's your mission. This is what I want you to do. And this is how Moses, great Moses, one of the most um, well-spoken of people throughout, throughout the Bible. And this is what he says. But behold, they will not believe me and they won't listen to my voice. For the, they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. How many of us, how many of us have had a crack at that? Ben, can you do this? Nope. Nope. Not today. They're not going to listen to me. And do you know how many times I've sat in the meeting and God's given me something? Ben, say this. I'm like, you're kidding. Nope. I was in a meeting with, with a bunch of church leaders and God told me to challenge what the main guy was saying. And I, was, I, had, not long, I had not long been leading a church. And I'm sitting there shaking in my boots. And I'm like, God, I can't do that. Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They're going to say the Lord didn't really speak to me. I can't do that. And this is what God says to Moses. Moses, what is in your hand? What have I already given you? And Moses says a staff. And he said, throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. Then they believe that the Lord of the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And then when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign that they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even those two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. God says to him, The thing I've given you, the staff, the staff, the, the gifts, the, the ability to lead people, the ability to, to correct the sheep and bring them back where I need them. Watch what I'll do with the things I've put in your hand. Throw it to the ground. You see, we only see a staff when we look at the gifts and the things God's given us. And he's saying, use what I've given you. Use what I've given you and watch what my power will do through you of the things that I've given you. And even then, after all those signs and wonders, even then, Moses still says, but I can't do it. I'm not elegant enough. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? 
Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send somebody else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take your hand, this staff, with which you shall do the signs. This is the point I want to make. God has given you everything you need to complete the mission he's asked you to complete. Everything. And when you say, yeah, but the staff's not going to work. Okay, put your hand in your jacket. Uh, that's not going to work. I can't speak. Yeah, but I made your tongue. I created who you are. Yeah, but it's not going to work. Okay, I'll give you Aaron. Like every excuse Moses brought to the table, God said, I'll fix it. Here. Here. But here's the key. Moses had to accept the mission God had asked him to do. It came to Moses. All we have to do, this is all we have to do. God, I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. I have no idea how you're going to make it work. I have no idea where my staff is. I lost my staff months ago. I have no idea why, what my hands can do. And I cannot speak, but I'm willing. And God will say, I'll give you the rest. Don't worry about the rest. We all have a mission field. And this house, I want to spur us to go because of the power that Jesus gave us. That's the key. Please, if you bring somebody, bring your friends to church. Bring them. Bring them to church. Allow them to come and celebrate with them. But when they come through those doors, they best know who Jesus is. Even if they haven't accepted him, you best have at least said, hey, I worship Jesus. If you need help, call somebody. There is help available. Absolutely, I'll come and sit with a friend for coffee and chat through with you. Dave will come with you. Dave will go. He's willing. He's put his hand up. He said, I'll go. But you're the light in their life. You're the shining. You're the, 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 the hope and the glory that God's shining through you to bring onto them. You have everything you need. Bring them through the door. And say, yeah, man, I, I worship this guy named Jesus. He's, he's God and he's amazing. And, and come and see, there's heaps of us crazy people that get together and worship him because he's so incredible. At least then when, he come, when they come through that door, they know who, what they're here to do. They know who it is they're here to see. Because I don't prepare my sermons in way of, what if there's a new person here? Why? Because I want you to pick up the call that God's given you. I want you to be challenged by, God's put this person in my life. I have my own sphere of influence that I'm trying to work out how I preach the gospel to. I've got, got my own people that I'm like, man, how do I reach this guy who's cranky all the time when he phones me up? How do I love this guy? God, show me. I've got my own sphere, just as you guys all have a sphere. Every time you walk out of this door, you are going. Therefore, because of the power that God's given you. That therefore, that word is so integral in this verse. It's because of what Jesus has given us. That's where, why we can go. Is that okay? Does everyone make sense? Is everyone okay? Does anyone have any questions? Nope? Give it. Give it to us.
Yeah. 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 There's a reality that actually comes with that seeing Jesus. That. Yeah. For sure. Awesome, guys. This I'm going to pray in a minute, and I'm going to pray a bold prayer, and I'm going to ask you to only say Amen again if you truly believe what I'm going to pray. But. That these are the four areas that we are pushing towards, we're fighting towards, we're, we're, we're seeing God give us ground in to reform the church by changing our focus back to Jesus, discipling people so that we can go out into the nations and see his light shine in so many different areas. If you have any questions, please feel free to come and ask about any of those four areas. I am next week going to preach um, on our finances and on giving and, and understanding um, how we give and why we give and what the church is doing with our finances. Now, that's my plan to preach. I'm going to sit down and start to prepare. If God changes my mind and moves me somewhere else, I am going to preach on that, I promise. It's been spurring me for a few weeks. Um, but that's what we're going to preach on next week so I can show you guys where the church is actually spending, who we're giving, how we're giving, the principles we're giving to you, we're mimicking as a church. If we say, hey, this is what tithing, if the church is tithing and giving to those in this city, in this nation, and in the nations. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay, can we stand? I'm going to pray. Then we're going to have coffee and cake. Please do not say amen. <laughs> if... You do not truly believe what I'm about to say. We heard Paul speak about what amen is. Amen is not a cultural end to a prayer. Amen means to see it established in my life. So when I say amen, it means, God, what that guy just said, I'm in agreement with and I want you to establish it into my life. We say amen now because we don't really know where to go when the guy finishes or the gal finishes. And we just go, amen, get it finished quick. It's almost like a key to wrap it up. What it means is what, what they've just said. I establish it, so be it in my life. I agree and I want that more than anything. Okay, so if you don't agree with what I'm going to pray, I'm not offended. Just don't say amen. Don't agree with it. Don't establish it. Is that okay? Father, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, you are so incredible. I'm so amazed that, that we come together on a Sunday morning as, a, as, as your body with such little expertise, such little putting together, such little just people passionate to see you and you show up, that you come and sit with us, that you pour out your spirit on us. I just thank you so much, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you came as man, that you died on that cross, that you took that beating and those whippings, that you took that awful walk, that you hung on that cross and died and rose again, and you are now seated as king. And that you will come to consecrate these ages. Jesus, I thank you. We are so, so honored and so grateful for who you are. God, I ask for you to burn in our hearts 
Give us clear understanding, clear vision of where you want us to go and who you want us to be. And Lord, I pray, send us. God, we are the generation that says yes to you. We are the generation that says wherever you go, we'll go with. Wherever you call us, we'll go. Whatever you ask of us, Jesus, we say yes. I ask you to come and tear down the walls that we've built to contain who you are. And I pray that you flood our lives, that your fresh waters flood our lives and excite us to step into more of you, more of who you are, and more of where you're leading us to go. Jesus, we say yes to you. We say yes to your calling, yes to who you are, and yes to spending the rest of our lives getting to know you more, getting to see more of you, and knowing you deeper and deeper and more intimately. God, send us. Wherever you want, we'll go. Whatever you want us to do, we'll go. Whatever you want us to say, we'll say. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. And we say yes. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. I heard a few amens out there, people. <laughs> go and be blessed. There is coffee at the back. Um, there's, there's tea. Sean's trying to get away from it. He'll have to shout. Look how quick he's moving. Eh? Look at him. He's getting to the back so he doesn't get pointed at. Now, nah, Timmy will buy you a coffee if you need one. Go and get a coffee. Love you.